0: Like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking
1: contest over the top. Subic <laughs> break Across the ground. Bam! In comes Donnie Werthold. Got it out to a kick.
0: Oh. Kick smothered. Chick. Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? we only Spin. Grips. Goal. Superb
1: from the Eagles. Kicks inside. 50. McGovern. McGovern. What a
0: play. Sheik needs to be in perfect He is! The Eagle has landed for the players in 2018. everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. I'm your host Honey Badger 35. Coming up later on the show, we'll talk waffle and preview this week's important clash with the Gold Coast Suns. But first, we're going to shake things up a little bit. Uh, it's fair to say it's been a little bit of a bad stretch around the Eagles, I guess. The board has been in a bit of a foul mood, not at its arrogant best. So we thought that it was probably time that the podcast brains trust got together and fixed the West Coast Eagles once and for all. So welcome to the Fix the Club special. And joining me to do so is Miguel Sanchez. How are you?
1: I'm very good. Yes, we have all the answers and stay tuned for all of them.
0: Absolutely. That's some good sizzle straight off the bat. Also joining us, as always, or as usual, is Mr. KK, locked and loaded with all the answers. KK, how are you?
2: I'm okay. I did True Grit on Saturday, which was six hours in a bus, 12 Ks and 31 obstacles. And that was infinitely less painful than watching the Eagles at the moment.
0: Yeah, sign me up.
2: So lucky we have all the answers.
0: That we do. Look, we're uh, blue sky is up and coming because we're going to fix it all. Uh, G'day Simo, if you're listening. We know you are. So just maybe uh, filter this one out through, through the club to the boys and uh, pretty soon it'll all be sorted. But look, KK, you touched on it then and we will start with you on this one. Just a quick thought on the Geelong game. Obviously, if you're new to the pod, we normally do a, a fairly in-depth review of the game we've just seen. But we don't much feel like doing that because that was bloody awful. So on the weekend, the Cats, 15 14 104 defeated the Eagles 7-4, 46. Fair to say the game was a complete disaster. I thought for a moment in the second quarter we were wrestling it back onto our terms, and then I realised how wrong I was. So, KK, what, what was your takeaway from, from the game on the weekend?
2: I think we spoke last week about our fears of replicating previous experiences down at Geelong, and that's exactly how it happened. It was, yeah, pretty much a disaster from beginning to end. If we could take one positive, I think no one got injured or suspended. That's about that's about it. We just looked really bereft of ideas, bereft of confidence, lacking effort. Yeah, just really, really disappointing. And it's, it's uh, depressing and a little scary how quickly... All the composure and the professionalism and the, the quality performances that we talked about a few weeks ago have just disappeared and we seem to be going out there with no real idea of what we're doing. And then when we do decide what we're going to do, we seem to stuff up the execution of it anyway. Let's um, move on as quickly as we can and see what we can do about fixing it.
0: Yeah, that's it. I mean, you, you raised a valid point in there as well in that early on the GWS win, obviously the Collingwood win. We did look like we were doing a fair bit on our terms. It was a fairly positive start, but this last three to four-week stretch uh, has been pretty pretty dreary. Uh, Miguel, quick thoughts from you on the Geelong game, and then, thankfully, we can just bury it and move on and never bring it up again.
1: Yeah, we spoke last week about, you know, none of us really expected to see a win, but we just wanted to see some effort. Um, And at times, I thought we saw that, but most of the time, it seemed like, um sort of the midfield were making the effort to win the clearance but if they weren't able to do that then it just sort of dropped away our, our effort when we didn't have the ball I thought was really lacking and yeah the once we'd won the ball there didn't seem to be much much system that we were playing with either so yeah it was just just a horrible game all around really
0: look it was um and Look, as I said, the mood on the board has been shocking. We've seen a few quality melts, so thank you for those. They're always amusing. Uh, but it is something that needs addressing sooner rather than later. Not only if we're going to go back-to-back, back, but if we're even going to make the bloody finals. The season looks closer than certainly most in recent memory. Uh, at 3-3, three and three, there's no great issue with our record. That's not a problem. But like you mentioned just there, Miguel, the effort is a real issue and there's a few red flags that are creeping in and indeed have been creeping in, probably, you'd say, as early as the Derby. So with that, as I said, we're going to mix things up a little bit this week, and let's just start by looking at the club in as many facets as we can. Crisis alert! Crisis alert! Crisis alert! KK, I'll start with you for this one. Very broadly, the obvious question that needs to be asked, is this list good enough to win another Premiership?
2: Yes. With a disclaimer that we don't have a lot of depth, so it it needs to be healthy and it needs some key components, particularly I think Natanui and Rioli that we don't have at the moment. So so qualified qualified yes, but it's pretty uh, it's a pretty thin margin we're going on. I, I would also say that it's probably been the case for the last few seasons, there isn't really standout quality teams. There's not a sort of Geelong of the late two thousands or a Brisbane three Peter or Hawthorne three P team running around that needs to be knocked off. We've had three pretty unexpected premiers the last three years. So there's no reason why we can't be another unexpected premier this year or next year.
0: It seems like it's almost an invalid question to ask on the heels of a premiership, do we have a premiership list? And yet, like you just said, obviously Richmond stumbled at a fairly late hurdle last year. They were actually all right. But the Bulldogs fell away quite significantly. Hawthorne... Potentially will never, ever die, but they certainly finally fell away a little bit after uh, 2015 as well, thankfully. So, you know, the, the potential to fall away after a great year is clearly there. Miguel, is this list still premiership quality or, or what needs to be addressed? What needs to be changed in this list to make sure that we're competing at the top end and at the later end of the season?
1: I think the list is clearly quality because it... You know, it got to you know, got to a premiership last year um, and not too much has changed. There was a fair bit of upside that um, in the list that we all identified you know, in the, the podcast at the start of the year that we had you know, Nat Nui to come back into the side eventually, um, Gaff to come straight back in, Shepard to come straight back in. Uh, we lost Lacroix and Lysette, but we replaced them pretty easily. We've got uh, you know, a fair bit of upside with uh, the guys like Alan and Petracelli and, uh, and Brander. The younger guys coming through so yeah i think definitely we've we've got the list but it's difficult to win a premiership and you need everything to go right or a lot of things to go right and you also need a buy-in from all the players and i'm not sure we've got that at the moment um what's lacking i think at the moment is just the effort there's no um yeah, there's no second efforts there's players who are down, there's too many players across the field that are down on form and confidence, and you can you, know, you can rattle off a few of them quite easily. Uh, Darling, Cripps, um, a few of the guys in the engine room. Um, uh, Gaff hasn't really regained the the form. He's all Australian form from last year. Yo hasn't really regained his form. Redden's been down. The defenders have probably been the best unit of the lot, but the volume of ball coming in has been has made it really difficult for them. So we're giving up big scores every week. Um, but, yeah, no, I think the list is there. We just need to get everything working again somehow. Uh, just need to snap our fingers.
0: Or listen to the rest of this pod because we're about to solve it. Uh, KK, you touched on health earlier on and, Miguel, just then you mentioned that, uh, you know, the backline's holding up pretty well. So obviously the brass injury is a big one and that's one that's going to factor into the next 10-odd weeks of the season, certainly. But... Short of going through it line by line, or indeed if we were going to do that, I think we can pretty much just put a line through the back line. They're fine. Individually, the components are there. As a collective, the components are there. They've shown that it works. They're just being inundated. Uh, and I think where that starts is obviously in the middle. So, KK, is it the midfield mix that's not right? Is it just an endeavour or an effort thing, as Miguel's suggested there? What what do we need to change up in the middle, to make sure that some of this stuff is, is starting to get rectified sooner rather than later?
2: I think the mix is a bit wrong. I think Gaff is killing us as an inside mid and just hacking the ball out. It's, it's not his game, and he's getting still getting a lot of the ball by just giving it away so much. So I think I think the mix is a bit wrong in the midfield. I think I think there isn't an effort issue, but I think at the moment it's, it's as much a confidence thing as well, it just seems to be a collective across the team, particularly in the midfield, of players not not really knowing exactly what to do. So they're they're having to second guess every decision they make, and that just slows you down. And hopefully when you're making those that many decisions rather than subconsciously knowing what to do, you're probably going to make a lot of mistakes. And I think that's the big thing of the problem, a big problem at the moment. Um, but The tackling. We've never been a great tackling team, but it's been absolutely atrocious the last two weeks. If we could just stick half the tackles that we attempt compared to maybe making 10% of them, that would make a big difference. You know, I I think the the midfield's probably suffering from the way teams are playing against us. As it's been pointed out by, I think Dylan82 said this on the board, that um, teams are sort of rolling numbers back, so we're getting caught up with those stoppages around half-forward, outnumbered there, and our mids are then pretty much getting bypassed. They're getting this wave of players coming the other way, and teams aren't having to kick long, so they're taking our defensive strengths away as well, and I think we haven't really adjusted to that, so that's that's on the coaches as much as the midfielders as well. So, in summary, there is there is an effort issue, because tackling's a great barometer of effort, But I think as much as it is at the moment, they're just not sure exactly what they need to be doing because teams are throwing things at them they're not expecting and they don't know how to react.
0: So on the tackles, as you touched on, we've never been, at least the optics of it has been that we've never been a particularly strong tackling team in terms of sticking a high percentage of them. We're ranked last in the competition for tackles. There's some other pretty damning stats when you have a look at what you'd consider effort stats. Last in the comp in contested possession differential, Last in the comp in inside 50 differential, which goes back to what I was saying before. The back line just cannot hold up. Eventually, the damn wall's going to burst. We're last for time in forward half, 16th for scores from stoppages. Last uh, last season, we were first for scores per inside 50. This season, we're 15th. So there's been a massive downturn. Now, Miguel, not every game's going to go the way you want. Obviously, there were games last season that didn't go the way we wanted either. And there do have to be uh, a large number of adjustments and all this in-game. We're the premiers, we're the hunted. People know how we play, and last season we played largely the same way throughout the year. So have we been found out? Is this something that the coaching staff need to figure you know a, a more viable long term plan B? Or do we keep plugging away with what works and are there just some minor levers that we need to pull?
1: Uh, probably some minor level levers, I think. Yeah, I just echo what um, KK said about the confidence that I think that manifests in two ways. Firstly, the players are fumbling. Uh, more than I can remember, um, even you know, the Geelong game wasn't a wet game and they were still, I don't think it was anyway, it didn't look like it on TV, and they were still fumbling and you know, with the speed of the game at the moment in this league, if you, you, know, you fumble, you're dead. So that was happening. And the other thing is they're just throwing it on the boot all the time and that's, um, that's a symptom of what our game has been like in the past when we've been really struggling you know, at times in... 2016 and 2017, we were doing that, just throwing it on the boot and bombing it and um, usually turning it over and turning it over in a dangerous spot and rebounding out. So, yeah, that didn't really answer your question. Sorry, what was your question?
0: No, no, that's fine. It, it raises a valid point. <laughs> Do we have enough on-field leaders to sort something like that out? Because you're pointing out that this is something we've seen before. Indeed, I think everyone would fairly agree with that as well. So, given that it's something we've seen before, given that we've seen that this playing group has the capability of playing a high level premiership brand of football. Do we have enough on field leaders that those bad habits or those poor decisions are starting to creep back in? You know, it can't all be on the coaches. Eventually somebody's got to, you know, make the decision or call out to their fellow teammate and say like, no, this is not what we're doing. You know, the players have to start wrestling this back.
1: You'd think we do. Um, And it's, it's really important to have that now. And have the runners out in the field a lot of the time. So it's important for the senior players to step up, but we've got, you know, we've got 15 or 16 premiership players running around. We've got um, plenty of guys with over a hundred games experience. Now uh, we've got Hearn in the back line, Kennedy in the forward line, Shuey in the midfield are our three main leaders. Uh, and then you know, really senior guys around them, like, you know, yo, Redden, Darling, um, Schofield's got over 150 games. Um, shepherd has got over 150 games. Gaff. So, you know, these are the guys that should be identifying that and, and saying it. So, yeah, we've got a relatively old, relatively experienced group. So, yeah, really, you should be throwing it back on the players to identify that.
0: Last year, I think one of the big narratives around the club was that it was very role-driven, which was great. Obviously, the player-coach relationship was fairly strong as well. But I keep, well, I can recall continuing to hear things like, you know, we've got a team full of introverts. There weren't too many ego. Well, certainly weren't egos, but it was quite a team full of introverts was something that was brought up. Now, I've also seen on the board a couple of times this week and indeed throughout the media, uh, throughout his coaching career, a couple of questions creeping in as to if Simo's the right guy to ever pull a player aside and give him an absolute bake. Now, whether you buy into that as a coaching strategy or not, that's fine, but certainly there, there will always come a time where the rubber has to meet the road and a coach has to tell you, no, you're doing the wrong thing. Your coach can't be your friend. So, KK, with that said, you know, maybe we've got a nice playing group. Maybe we've got a nice head coach. Is this all... Sort of mixing into a very satisfies the wrong word, but is this just mixing into you know it's a bad mix of chemistry here that we've got a lot of guys that are sort of too nice to pull each other up. Is that something that you're concerned about
2: uh, i don't I don't think so I, I i get the impression that we have guys that will hold each other to too high standards, but maybe just have a different way of going about it and I can kind of have some sympathy with Simpson that he He'd be reluctant to sort of change that persona and from what has worked for him. I think one of the big problems, we talked about the leaders we've got, is so many of our experienced players are the ones that are badly out of form and probably focusing as much on their own game just to get that right before they think about doing things for others. I think the likes of Cripps or Darling or Yo, um, even Kennedy. Kennedy's been okay, but he's sort of working back into his form. I think we probably are missing a few um, extroverted characters, though. Uh, say i say Lasset's been mean, big, big boots to fill in that regard. He was a real presence around the field. real another one of those players that sort of always likes to get up and about and stuck into a other players' faces and the like. But I, I don't think we we go too far away from what, what's been successful. I think if Simpson just turns into the, the hard-ass and... Throws the kitchen sink players. It, it might work in a, on a few individuals, but I think for the most for most cases, we just need to get them focusing on doing the right thing and, and maybe doing different things than what they've been doing, but delivering the message in the same way. I, I don't think overall it's a matter of guys just not putting in the effort. I think it comes back to confidence and a bit of uncertainty in what they should be doing.
0: Miguel, while we're talking about the coaching mix, or indeed the coaching attitude, obviously it was a very prominent talking point when we lost Pike, and it has since become a very prominent talking point over the last couple of months. Has the club done enough to replace Sam Mitchell? Is the influence of Sam Mitchell being overstated by our fans, or is this something where we've accidentally dropped the ball here without, you know, we didn't have a lot of say in it, I appreciate, but we've we've dropped the ball somewhat. We've always got quite a young assistant group. Do we need to go out and poach a more senior or more hard and some more experienced assistant coaches, or how do we how do we deal with that situation? Given that the Sam Mitchell question is certainly not going to go away whilst we're playing like this,
1: I certainly feel, um, thought when Simpson first joined the club that he sort of he had a really inexperienced team around him and that he he needed experience. But a lot of those guys have been there, you know, for the entire length of his tenure now. Um, Mitchell obviously a great footy brain um, was only out of football a year with us so didn't have a huge amount of coaching experience but he's you know he's looking like being an exceptional talent coaching wise uh, but no I don't know that's that his loss can explain the massive drop-off we've seen I mean we've only been out without him now for six games uh, the, and it's Essentially, the same midfield unit. They can't have forgotten everything that he taught them you know, in his two years at the club. Um, so, no, I, I don't buy that. That's the um, that that's got much bearing at all with it. It's hard to know, of course, you know, what goes on behind closed doors. But you know, Van Berlo, Nathan Van Berlo, so, um certainly spoken of pretty highly. And I've got no idea what Rose is like as a coach. But you know, they're the they're the midfield guys now. Um, the midfield certainly has been an area one of the probably the biggest area of concern in our losses this year but i don't know how much of that you can sheet home to to Mitchell not being there
0: van burlo was obviously there alongside mitchell as well so you know you're right in pointing out the midfield turnover has been almost non-existent simpson's been there obviously for a little while it was interesting uh, in the uncovered series that fox footy did i'm not sure if either of you guys got a chance to see this but they did you know a 30 minute interview with all of the coaches and simpson said that the challenge will always be to get younger assistant coaches here or rather that's probably going to be the path because not a lot of the super experienced coaches are going to want to move away from their life or their family or if they've got kids going through school etc you know that presents a, a geographical challenge so getting them across early and getting them into the club asap is the best method so we've obviously seen we're sticking with some young coaches I don't know if there's anybody that's banging banging the door down to be the next gun head coach going around. Simpson was obviously one of the more highly touted ones when we went out and were fortunate enough to get him. So if it is a matter of poaching another coach, I don't know who it would be specifically. So KK, then I guess the next question, how do you fix the midfield? It comes down to selection. Now, without looking at it a game-by-game basis, obviously, we've effectively got the same players. The system seems to be largely the same. The coaching staff is certainly largely the same. So, has the addition of GAF thrown everything off its axis this significantly? How do, we, how do we wrestle it back? How do we sort the midfield out?
2: I think it's a bit tricky because this is kind of anecdotally than from observation rather than any stats. But we seem to be doing okay in centre clearances and stoppages. When we're losing the contested possessions, it's in that sort of um, broken play where there's a contested mark somewhere around the middle of the ground and we're being outnumbered. So, I would imagine a lot of the coaching is more around stoppage-based stuff. But maybe we do need a new point of view on on what guys should be doing in more in less structured areas areas of the game. Uh, you talk about potential coaches. I've heard Jared Schofield's name mentioned. Obviously, he's he's gone to Port, and um, they've suddenly remembered how to be a, a very good football team, and they're they're dominating through the midfield. So maybe that's um. That's someone
0: we could be looking at. So I don't have any specific intel into this area, but how in the world did Schofield leave the state? Is this something that either of you guys are across? Because that seems like, you know, obviously if he was a bloke that we wanted, we're a club with resources. If he had any inclination to start his career and stay in Perth, could he not have done so with us?
1: I know his son is going to be a father-son selection this year for them. And... He's gone over there to, i don't know play for their Colts or their reserve side or something. So whether that's got something to do with it, um, otherwise no, I don't know. Have I don't I don't know any inside info. I always thought that he was sort of he was quite lucky to have you know, the, the best list in the waffle mm. at his disposal. Mm. Um, so I don't know how much of that, uh, how much of Su- Subiaco's success is down to his brilliance as as a coach, and how much is just sort of the horses he had, but. I never watched Subiaco closely enough to be able to comment on that, really.
0: Sure. It just seems like, you know, KK does make a good point, and I saw it made uh, on the board as well throughout the week. Obviously, Port having somewhat of a resurgence, they certainly in the middle, they made us look fairly foolish. So, um, yeah, maybe that's one where, in hindsight, it's probably somebody we could have gone after or at least maybe made more of an effort to to go after it. Um, Miguel, I'll stick with you for this one. Is there too much pressure being put on Rioli... And also Nat Nui, but it seems like most of the onus is on Rioli at the moment. There seems to be this little air of confidence that, oh, well, Rioli will come back and that'll sort of help our forward mix out. That'll help everything out. Are we putting way too much pressure on what is effectively a second-year player?
1: I think we should, we should definitely give him as much time as he needs. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, there's, there's a bit of that. That, uh, And yeah, I thought it would be more Nat Nui, but yeah, Rioli's being spoken of as as the saviour. Um, which, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. We're not, I, I don't think we're going to be able to expect him to come in and yeah, instantly right all our wrongs and, um, yeah, be the, the missing forward link that we've, that we need and, and, um, be able to be thrown into the centre square and get clearances when we need it and so on. You know, he's coming off two and a half months without any footy. He's going to need some time to build up. Um, and he's a, well, a third year player, even though he's, what, 23 or 24, um, he's only got 24 games of AFL under his belt. Now, we can't put too much pressure on him. It's going to be great to have him back, but the problem's run a lot,
0: too. KK, we've touched on confidence a few times throughout you know, this little early chat. Last year, we had a policy of going very young. Obviously, Rioli was one of those guys. Uh, we had, I believe, all up, we had... Nine debutants, is that right? Or I forget. I, I always lose track of the number because some were club debutants, some were league debutants. But anyway, we obviously were very happy to go a young. Uh, we saw guys like Venables, Ryan Rioli, these sorts of guys playing big roles in the grand final as well. So it was, wasn't something where we were just throwing them in for a laugh. Like they were a core component of the team. Now, clearly, you can only debut a guy once, but so far this season, we've debuted Smith and we've debuted Rotham. And Icky. Okay, yeah, sure, and Hickey, fair call. Uh, so, KK, is this something where you've got to maybe throw some more youth in and find a way to get some younger guys in for a little jolt of energy or maybe even you could consider it a warning to some of the senior players? You know, is that is that how you fix the confidence issue or is it a matter of just backing your guys in? How do we how do we solve the confidence issue from the outside?
2: I think let's not throw the baby out of the bathwater. I think one of the, the reasons why the debutants worked so well last year is that we were sort of mixing one or two in at a time rather than throwing a lot of guys in <clears throat> at the deep end. But I think there certainly is certainly is that chance. Uh, um, I'd like to see Matt Allen get a chance. Waterman's been lighting up in the waffle. He's obviously it wouldn't be a debut for him, but he um, he was in the team started last year and then fell away. If Hamish Brayshaw keeps his form up, I can see him getting a go. Even Bailey Williams who I didn't think we'd see too much of for a, for a year or two is, is having good game. So there is, there are some people putting their hand up there and I think we do need to reward them and we do need to, to mix it up. And even if it's not a warning to, to guys getting dropped, if, even if it's just an opportunity for them to go back and find some form, I think, I think we should take that chance. But let's not just swing the axe willy-nilly and bring in five guys in a week, we need to need to manage it. If we look for an example of how we've done it badly, I think Brand is a classic example that um, I hope like Kelly doesn't get dropped this week, but he's been brought in for three games all the way from home, all tough end used where the rest of the team hasn't turned up and probably hasn't had a defined role in, in at least two of the games he's played. So that's, um, that's an example of how, how not to do it.
0: Yeah, obviously I'm quite vocal about you know the the way that they've been treating Brander on the board, and I think a couple of people tend to agree as well. And it will be pretty frustrating to see him come out this week, which unfortunately I think might be on the cards. Now, Miguel, we've obviously had a look at the list. We we all agree the list is fine. We all agree that by and large the coaching is fine. There might be you know a few people out there that want certain changes made or didn't do enough to replace Mitchell, etc. But Effectively, there's still the core there of a group that got it done last year. There's some guys starting to push up from underneath as well, so we've got a couple of options coming through in in a few positions. There are changes that can be made. If you had Simo across the table from you or you had Trevor Nisbet across the table from you and you were saying, right, here's my view, here's how we're going to fix it, we've obviously got the resources and the cattle to do it, so what do we do?
1: I think um, I would say an example of some of the senior players, but um, there's some that I think really need a spell, either a week off to freshen up or, or back in the waffle. We have we basically went all last season without having to make a big call at the selection table, I think. Um, and we've now had two absolutely terrible games in a row where we've lost by a combined, I think it's 100 points exactly. Um, and b- before that, the, the derby where we fell over the line but really only played one quarter of footy. And in six weeks, we've had two good games and four pretty terrible games. So um, maybe not panic stations, but it's certainly time to start changing things up. Um, And there's senior players that really aren't performing and haven't been performing for a while that need to be sent back down to the waffle to to find some form. Uh, And... I agree with what KK was saying about not throwing the baby out with the bathwater and, and making wholesale changes. And there's some people in the changes thread suggesting that we drop Yo and Gaff and bring in Brayshaw and Maddie Allen, which is just a you know, basically a recipe for disaster. We still want to win this week, mm. uh, and and Gold Coast, you know, it's not going to be an easy four points. They're a lot better than they have been in the past, but we do need to start bringing some of that, some more of that youth through. We've got a bit in the side at the moment with uh, Brander and Petricelli and uh, Allen and Venables, but we do need to keep giving opportunities to those guys. So, yeah, Maddie Allen is certainly one that is knocking on the door at the moment. Um, Rotham's probably another one if we can find a space for him. We do, yeah, we do need to keep bringing that through. Um, we can't continue to keep picking Premiership players just because they're Premiership players um, if their form doesn't deserve it. Uh, and I don't want to name names, but but I'm going to. Um, Darling and Cripps are probably two that I'd have very firmly in the gun. Yeah, we we need to we need to make changes, I think, this week. We need to make, you know, not five or six changes, but probably three or four.
0: Mm. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, obviously, we'll get into it with the Suns uh, preview coming up, but the, the changes this week are going to be a, a pretty watershed moment, I suppose, in what this club is going to do and what the attitude is going to be from the from the match committee, because we've seen a, a focus, I suppose, on, on wanting to back in the right guys, and we've certainly got premiership guys that deserve to be backed in to a degree, but maybe a couple of them are starting to overstay their welcome. KK, do you think that there are a collection of these players that are satisfied or feel comfortable or almost feel untouchable due to the runs that they've got on the board?
2: I like to think not. And it, it, it's so hard to see without seeing behind the scenes. Um, and maybe there is to some extent. So when I say I'd like to think there isn't, I'm maybe giving them a bit too much credit and not wanting to, to pop players um, on a personal level. It's a bit of an indictment to, to suggest that someone's satisfied and, and lacking the hunger, but it doesn't need to be, you don't need to be much off, is the way the comp is so even, just to get get turned over if, you're, if the hunger isn't there on any particular week. So I think maybe there are a few guys that aren't giving the total 100% that maybe don't feel the burn they had last year. But I don't think it's across the board, and I don't really think there's guys phoning it in on on mass. I think the club and the leaders in the club just would pick up on that and wouldn't stand for it, and we would have probably seen some public examples of, Guys, being questioned if they if they weren't
0: pulling their weight. All right, so KK, we've obviously got spot-on intel that Simo does listen to this. As I said earlier, g'day Simo. So he's listening in, and you've got his ear. What are you telling him in summation? How do we how do we arrest this form slide of late?
2: Uh, One or two key messages. One is just learn how to tackle. I've said it before. If if we could just have twice as many successful tackle attempts as we've had in the last couple of weeks. That would make such a huge difference um, to the amount of pressure we put on the opponents, the amount of perceived pressure they would have, and maybe we might be able to start forcing them to play the way we want them to play, whereas in the moment they're just being able to play their own game and avoid our strengths and, and play to, to their own. And I think the other thing is just to, to be brave, take the game on, we seem to be always looking for a better option than than the first one. I think if there's one moment that summed up our season, it was probably Crips on the weekend where oh, we turned Jesus. the ball over on the 50-metre line and spun around for two 360s and didn't find a target, then got tackled. and It's just crazy that the Eagles of last year, if we turned the ball over there, that would be a shot on goal from within 20 metres, nine times out of ten, and we didn't even... Get a shot on goal out of it. So I think, yeah, try and get the confidence back. Be brave. Take the first option. Um, and probably the third message for the coaches they need to they need to adapt to what other teams are doing. I I don't believe that it's just the players out on the field that um, are getting instruction prior to the game and then forgetting when they go out there. I think the coaches might have been caught on the hop a bit with how much teams are challenging us and directly attacking our game plan and probably got a bit more focus than maybe we expected and I don't think the coaches have adapted to that. I don't think that's on the players yet
0: so for me, obviously effort is an easy one to point to and certainly visually it's a it's a frustrating one to have a look and you see guys getting you know blown away off the park or for let's say Geelong players next to two Eagles players next to the ball. We don't have any numbers at the contest, this sort of thing. But I think structurally there are issues. Um, Of note and of concern for me has been the forwards are pushing super, super high up the ground, and it leads to situations, maybe not the exact same situation as the Crips one, but similar instances where players will find themselves in a bit of space with the footy. We've finally won it, and yet there's nothing to go to because guys like Kennedy have had to push so far up that once we secure the ball they're busy getting back. They're not going to lead up at you. They're still too busy trying to get a full kick away from you to start their lead. So uh, I don't think it can all be put down to effort. I do think there are some structural issues that need to be sorted out. But they're not dissimilar issues to ones we saw last season, particularly with how we were using our forward line, and it was resolved then. Now, yes, the competition catches up, but I certainly think that this coaching staff has it in them to resolve the structural issues. And with that, I think you'll see some of the perceived effort issues be fixed because it wasn't a matter of that, of, of, you know, just a lack of effort. It might have been a matter of not having the correct structures in place. Uh, Miguel, we've been going on about this for a while. Obviously, we've been highlighting there are a few issues and doing our best to try and crack into fixing them. One word, what what would be the one word that you're looking for from the Eagles this week? Uh,
1: One word would probably be um, effort, I think. Or maybe, picking up on what KK said, I think confidence. Um, I think that's really what's lacking at the moment. Um, and the confidence is leading to you know, sort of hesitation and, and second guessing. Uh, and, yeah, we just need to play a bit more freely and, and play a bit more for the love of the game. They're playing at the moment like they're sort of scared of making a mistake a bit. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say one word, confidence. KK? I've
0: just stolen his one word, probably. Probably. KK, what, what was your other one word? Yeah, that's
2: not fair. Yeah. You had two words. That's not very fair. (laughs) Um, Maybe I'll just go with focus, and it probably comes back to the effort and what I was saying about tackling. If if the coach can just pick one or two things for guys to focus on, um, it might free their mind a bit and do that one thing well, and then hopefully the confidence will, will flow from that.
0: Yeah, that's a fair call, and it's obviously something that was brought up last year a bit as well, that guys felt their roles were being simplified and they had a lot more clarity as to what they were trying to do. It obviously makes the game a lot easier, so that's pretty good. Look, for me, I'm just going to say maturity. After our GWS win, after our Collingwood win as well, it's a word that I like to throw around when a team is is poised and handles the pressure or a late run from a good opponent. This is a side that has maturity. From an age profile, we've got maturity. From an experience profile and big moments, we've been there, we've been tested. Simo's been pushed publicly before in the media. You know, we've had a bit of pressure on the club during his tenure. This should be a group that's mature enough to handle it. So let's hope that we see some of that this week. And, uh, yeah, maturity is the one to watch for me. All right, we fixed the club. Congratulations, guys. You did it. Uh, and... As we touched on a couple of times throughout that chat, obviously the youth coming through is going to play a big factor in our resurgence, hopeful resurgence and uh, getting 2019 and beyond back on track. So with that, it's time to turn our attention to the waffle. And it was a mammoth week for the Beagles because they got a very important win, certainly their best win of their young existence. Not only was it a big win, and a statement win, but it was obviously probably the feel-good moment of the week for the club. The Beagles, 12 goals, 5-77, defeated ladder-leading Claremont, 11 goals, 9-75. Claremont, previously undefeated. They had a percentage of, I think, 290, 289, something like that. So they'd been blowing teams away in the first couple of weeks. The Eagles hung tough. They traded goal for goal late. Miguel, I believe you were there. Take it away. Who jumped off the page at you?
1: Yes, I was there. Um, I don't want to take any credit for the win, but um, certainly I think my presence might have been enough to just get them over the line.
0: Are you two from two Uh, this year? uh,
1: No, I went to the Perth game.
0: Well, don't uh, even worry about it then.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was a really good game. Um, And, yeah, feel-good moment. And um, big thought that might carry over to the AFL team the following day, which didn't happen, obviously. Um, but, yeah, there was um, plenty to like out of that game. Um, Maddie Allen, uh, impressed again in the, in the midfield. He's he's become just about the senior midfielder in there. Uh, and, yeah, he got plenty of touches. I haven't got the stats up in front of me, but, yeah, plenty of touches, uh, really clean with his possessions, kicked an important goal. Yeah, just really impressive from him and um, continues to bang down the door. Habish Broshaw was another one who got plenty of it in the midfield, uh, kicked an early goal. Did a little bit of a tagging job, I think, um, for a, a time on um, Jai Bolton, who got about 50 possessions. So obviously it wasn't a hard tag. Um, I, I don't think he was on him for long. I sort of I noticed it in the second quarter. Bailey Williams, you mentioned before, um, or KK mentioned before, presents really well. Kicked, I think, two of his three goals came in the last quarter when um, when the Eagles had to rest back the lead. So that was. Uh, really pleasing from him. He's he's obviously really athletic and he seems to have cleaned up his set shot kicking as well, which is good. So, yeah, maybe a chance we see him in the AFL side this year. Uh, but, yeah, certainly he stood up and um, was quite impressive. Uh, Jake Waterman kicked three goals as well. I thought he was fairly quiet. Did seem to be off getting his hamstrings worked on, so... Um, they may still be causing him a concern. Whether that has any effect at the selection table, I suppose we'll see tomorrow. But yeah, he kicked three goals, two of them in the first quarter. I don't think the match-up with his brother ever eventuated. Alec played um, forward full time, kicked a goal. Apparently, got broken ribs and a punctured lung in the first quarter and played out the game. So Jesus, that's really really tough from him. I didn't I didn't see it happen, but um, he's,
0: he's been through some stuff. That kid. He
1: yeah. He's a he's a tough kid. Um, I was really impressed by him. I remember going to a game, sort of the one year he played for us, going to a waffle game and seeing him barking instructions at his teammates. Um, and this was as a eighteen year old rookie and um, barking instructions at Jared Oakley Nichols, who was a senior player. So uh, <laughs> he he really impressed me then.
0: G'day, John, if you're listening.
1: Who else played well? Harry Edwards. Oh, the the defensive unit was um, pretty good under. Uh, A lot of pressure. Claremont basically controlled the second and third quarters, and so the defence was having to do what the AFL back six is having to do every week at the moment, and, yeah, really hold back the tide. Um, So Edwards, Rotham, Mutimer were quite impressive, um, were were quite um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Good? (laughs) Wasn't the word I was looking for. I'll go with it. Uh, The the real standout down back was uh, Jackson Nelson, who – uh, not only um, negated his opponent, but he was sort of um, he was a lot of the, the driving force out of defence. I think he had about 26 touches. Uh, he does, he continues to go for the the don't argue and try and shrug tackles and uh, doesn't always come off, but it, it did more often than not on this occasion. So yeah, he's one who's not lacking in confidence. So maybe if we yeah, if we do want to get a bit of aggro and um, and less introverts back in the in the side than he might be one to um, to look at. He seems to have moved back to the back line. They sort of experimented with him as a midfielder, but that hasn't worked, and he's probably not going to get a game there uh, in the AFL sides. So seems like defence is the place for him at the moment. Um, but yeah, that was definitely one of the better games I've seen him play. Um, Frankie Watson had a really good first half, a similar sort of role to Nelson. Unfortunately, in sort of the the first contest of the third quarter, he he copped a bump from a Claremont player. Both of them went in low and hard, and he came off second best. And I thought he'd broken his collarbone or something, but apparently he's only out for two or three weeks, which is lucky. Yeah, he's certainly having a tough time of it at the moment. Um, Who have I missed? Jared Cameron was really quiet. Um, I don't know whether he was affected by Watson getting carted off on the stretcher, but his second half was. His disposal was pretty wayward. Uh, Didn't hit the scoreboard. So, yeah, a little bit disappointing from him, given that he he might be someone who's um, pushing uh, if they want to introduce some youth into the side. But uh, never mind, he's got plenty of time to come good. Mm. Uh, Archie had a fair bit of it. He had a big first quarter, faded after that. Uh, I did see some criticism on the board of his second efforts. Uh, Not something I noticed at the ground, but... Yeah, there you go. Um Keegan Brooksby played really well in the ruck. Vardy was pretty quiet, um, didn't do much rucking. He was stationed forward most of the time. Um, and Williams was probably uh backing up Brooksby more than him for the first three quarters. Uh he went to the ruck more in the last quarter and also dropped back a bit and took some saving marks as um the Eagles sort of tried to control territory and you know prevent for Claremont from having the opportunity to get back in the game or get the lead back, um, but, yeah, he he took some really big marks in the last quarter, so that was pleasing. He'd had a pretty quiet game up until then. Uh, that's probably it, I think. Who have I missed? Uh,
0: a couple of the kids, Foley O'Neal, pretty quiet.
1: Yeah, um, Foley didn't do much in the first half. After Watson went down, he went to half back. so I noticed him a bit more then. He um, he was beaten one-on-one a couple of times, but, you know, he's play, played out of position. And O'Neill was really quiet for a guy who was probably in the midfield all day. Um, Ainsworth had a bit of it as well. He wasn't too bad.
0: So, look, there was obviously, I mean, the result, phenomenal, really fantastic, very pleasing result. But the performances, there were obviously a couple that, uh, you know, stand out. and, And as you touched on there, especially with guys like Matt Allen, there's a few people starting to really bang on the door for selection. So... We might as well just draw a line underneath the waffle now. Uh, they do play this weekend, South Freo, at 1.15pm on Saturday. If anybody fancies a drive or if anybody's out that way, half your luck for living in Freo and going for the Eagles, but uh, there's a game in uh, your neck of the woods. So
1: There's also, sorry, just before you go off that, there's also apparently going to be a streamer on the club's website, um, which I, I just saw mention of today. So if you, don't, if you can't get down to Fremantle, um, and it's a big ask... I'm not going to be able to get down the Fremantle and then back to Burswood for the game. So, yeah, you can uh, watch it, provided the stream works, you can watch it in the comfort of your lounge room.
0: So with that, we come to the Gold Coast. We're facing a couple of issues, as we've touched on at length earlier in the pod. We've also got a couple of options coming through, as we've just touched on then in the waffle. So, KK, we'll start with you. What are the changes that you want to see made at Selection ahead of the Gold Coast game this Saturday?
2: I think we need to mix around with the forward line. I think Waterman needs to come in. I think we need to reward the form that he's shown so far. I struggle to... um, I kind of think Allen needs a rest, but Waterman for Allen, without bringing in another Ruckman, really kind of stuffs things up. So... Uh, maybe Darling needs to go as well. <laughs> that kind of leaves our a very unusual looking forward line, having say Vardy and Waterman in place of where Darling and, and Allen are. I think um, with the midfield, I'd probably largely leave it as this. How I think the mix is the problem. Um, if if Redden's fit and say so indications that he is, then he should come back in at Venables. And at the back, I really don't think Schofield's been in great form all year and robin has been stiff to miss out. So I'd like to bring Rothen in for Schofield. I'd like to try and maybe get Jared Cameron in, but it might, might be one too many changes in the forward line. I think Alan kind of messes things up because he, he was sort of filling in in the ruck as well. That I'm tempted to, to leave him in that position and just change Waterman in for Darling. And maybe Cripps gets one more week. It's because I don't want to mess with the forward too much.
0: Yeah, so it's an interesting one with Allen. Uh, in my changes in the immediate aftermath of the game, I had Waterman in for him. Now, Oscar Allen, he's going to be a star. So I'm not saying get rid of him. He's going to be a star. But, you know, he had a really strong opening to the year, and now he's starting to fizzle out and sort of lose his place in the game. So maybe give him a couple of weeks and and reset and get him back into the side in a fortnight or or similar. But you're right in raising the point that that really does mess up our rucks. Probably the best takeaway from the Geelong game was that the one ruck with Hickey has certainly, it could be said to have worked. Hickey played his best game for the club uh, and at least... You know The optics of going in with only one ruck implies that you're getting another runner, which should be addressing some of our issues. So you know, I think we can back in Hickey to go with one ruck. Vardy's probably not going to come back. Brooksby's the other one you could have a look at. But uh, for me, I, I think still you've got to stick with Waterman for Allen. I'm not entirely sure what that does for your ruck division, though, because uh, Brander can't do it, and you wouldn't have said that Waterman can do it. So I'm not entirely sure how they solve that dilemma when, when Hickey needs a chop out. You wouldn't want something like Yoda the Ruck, but, I mean, we've seen some stranger things happen. Anyway, so for me, Waterman for Allen has to happen, and I'll I'll figure out the Ruck later on in the week, so don't even worry about it. Matt Allen has to come in. He's been too good for too long in the waffle. We're not playing good footy. If you're not going to roll the dice on a guy like him now, um, Miguel, I think you mentioned the stat earlier on, on the board that I think this is the second longest anybody's ever waited for a debut. Is that right?
1: I think he's currently third behind um, Bo Wilkes, who was was then Bo Wilkes, he's now Bo Meister, and Zach Beak have both, both waited until well into their fourth year. Um, but he's third behind them and he's gone past uh, he's gone past McGovern this week uh, and he's gone past Fraser McInnes as well.
0: Right, so he's certainly waited his time. He's certainly shown enough. And for a club that's not firing on all cylinders, I don't see any reason how you couldn't try and inject the squad with a little bit of youth and, you know, at least shake things up somewhat. So Matt Allen's got to come in. Whether it's for Venables or whether it's for Crips, the issue is obviously he's quite tall and Venables, well, neither of them, to be honest, are burning the house down. But uh, let's just say Matt Allen comes in for Venables and Redden does have to come in. Now, I'm, I'm unsure as to whether they're going to eventually bite the bullet and just start playing Marston as a back. But until they do is until they're playing him as a defensive winger, I think he's probably got to be the one that misses, and with that, hopefully we can see Redden go back inside and gaff spend a little bit more time outside. although look, as I've touched on on the board, if you've got any inclination to follow what I post, I've certainly been going on at length about how gaff for Marston can't be a straight swap, but certainly from a mixed perspective, Redden has to come right into the guts so Let's bounce Gaff outside, and, and maybe somebody like Jared Brander could take that defensive wing on him. I'm, I'm desperate to see him retained. KK raised it earlier, but how can we keep doing this to a kid? You're going to play a wet night away at Sydney, up against a key back playing his 250th game. No Kennedy in the side. You're a key forward. Happy day, boo, kid. By the way, you're out next week when we come home. Round one this year, shocking game. Whole club was you know having a bit of a letdown. Slippery conditions, not ideal for a bloke of his size. And guess what? You're out for round two back at home. And now we've sent him away to the latter leaders. We don't win in Geelong. And, you know, he had an a all right game, fairly forgettable game, but kind of picked it up towards the end. I appreciate that on merit, he probably doesn't deserve another game this week, but eventually you've got to back a kid in for a fortnight and see if he can get, you know, something going. This, it seems a bit ridiculous. So hopefully he can stay in. And then Rotham for Schofield, I agree. From a Gold Coast perspective, Sexton, obviously, the big uh, danger man up front for them, who you'd consider somebody like Shepard going on to. Maybe a Peter Wright is a tough matchup for him, just given the size disparity. But Scoey needs to go at the minute, and and Rotham backing in the youth, I think, is a good policy for me. Uh, Miguel, your changes?
1: Pretty similar to those, I think. Um, Yeah, Allen's got to come in. Maybe Allen's gotta come in, it's a question of who he comes out for. Um I'm not sure that Redden will play. I'm gonna I'm gonna say we'd leave him out because, you know, all this bloody lower leg stuff at the moment we can't be too careful about. Um so I won't bring him in and that uh that saves one headache for me. Um I think Hutchings is one that sort of is flown under the radar a bit. Um he's uh, obviously a good team man and I love him, but his performances have been down A bit this year uh he did a reasonable job on kelly i suppose uh isn't getting much of the ball at all himself and he looked really shaky with ball in hand although he certainly wasn't an orphan there but um gold coast midfield i I can't really identify who he'd tag
0: um
1: i've probably missed someone obvious
0: but fiorini's having a good year but a lot of their a lot of their uh Success. I, get, well, I should caveat this by saying I watched all of the Gold Coast's close games and I haven't watched either of their past two massive blowout losses. So the first four games, they were all under a goal. You know, guys like Miller, uh, guys like Fiorini were doing a lot of damage and then you've got a guy like Highbrow coming off the back line. You obviously can't tag him. But unless you're tagging Miller, maybe, or Fiorini, I don't really see who there is to tag in that in that list. It's quite a blue-collar, under-the-radar sort of list.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna drop Hutchings for this one and that enables me to get Matt Allen in the side and not stuff around too much with the structures. Um yeah, Maston probably on thin ice and I had him in my outs um straight after the game for the second week in a row just to keep certain people happy. Hmm. Um but I uh I think he he did at half time I thought he he's done enough now to save his spot. He had a pretty quiet second half again, not an orphan. Um but yeah probably um, good enough to save his spot. Yeah, It's a real issue um, how we fit in uh, Gaff and Sheed in the midfield at the moment. They seem to be getting in each other's way a bit uh, and possibly moving one of them into Maston's role would save that, but let's leave that for another week. Uh, so Allen for Hutchings, uh, Redden stays out. Darling I've had as a um, uh, out with either Saunders or managed or call it what you like. I don't think he'll play waffle, but um, he does need a week off and a, a kick up the bum. He's just been in pretty terrible form. was really symptomatic of our problems against Geelong. He was uh, trailing his opponent to the ball just about every time. Uh, he was dropping easy marks. Uh, I mentioned to a mate, you know, I was wondering whether he'd had to... Do you remember the game against Gold Coast a couple of years ago when his wife went into labour and... Mm. It turned out game, and it turned out he'd driven up to Brisbane in the middle of the night to catch a flight home, and then um, his wife had given birth, so he didn't fly home, but he, he drove back down to Gold Coast and just played a terrible game. And I was wondering whether that had happened again, whether he'd driven back up to Tala in the middle of the night because he was just he was pretty appalling on the weekend. So give him the week off. Um, I did originally have Vardy coming back in, but. Uh, given that I think the weather forecast isn't great, um, Hickey, you know, was really our one shining light in that role as, um, as Sol Ruckman. I think, um, leave him in, I think we need to leave Oscar Allard in as his backup because there's not really anyone else other than Fraser McInnes was the one guy I left out of the waffle report. He, he is probably best suited to that role as, sort of the third tall forward who goes in and takes 20% of the ruck knocks. Um But I don't think that'll happen. So leave Oscar Allen. If we drop Allen for McInnes, that's a real step backwards. So, so leave Oscar Allen in, in that role. Um, uh, so I spoke, yeah, Waterman would be the replacement for Darling in that case, and I'm hoping his hamstrings are okay and up for it. Um, Cripps, I think, needs to go back to the Waffle. Uh, there's not a lot of, um, options to come in as a, as a small forward. I think Josh Smith is probably the best of, um, a fairly, um, fairly mediocre bunch. Uh, he, he did do a pretty good job against GWS when he did play in that role. Um, and I wouldn't be against giving him another opportunity at AFL level. So Smith in for crits, Waterman in for Darling, uh, Allen in for Hutchings. Uh, I agree with you, Brander definitely should not be dropped. You, we can't keep doing that to him. And I'd put Venables in the same boat that uh, we can't give him a week back in the side and, um, and then drop him again. If, if they, they're going to pick him and he wouldn't have been in my team last week, but having picked him, they need to be back for two or three weeks at least. So yeah, I've got three changes, um, three fairly senior players being dropped, which I think will send a bit of a message.
0: KK, Gold Coast are an interesting opponent, especially for this time of year. They are 3-3, three and three, same as us. As I mentioned, they had their first four games of the year were all decided under a goal, so they could easily be, you know, maybe a 4-2, and two. maybe they could be an 0-6. You never really know with those sorts of games. As we touched on when we were chatting about Hutchings, there's not a lot of super dangerous guys in the, in the guts, but they certainly do make you pay, and, and we've shown a willingness to just let our opponents midfield do whatever they bloody well feel like. So what are you looking for in this game, Beside the effort that we talked about at the start, you know, is this is this the sort of game that you can see hopefully being a springboard into our rest of our twenty nineteen? Or what what's the main area of focus that you're looking for this week?
2: Just want a bloody win, or we really really, really will be paddock stations if we can't win in this one. Um, I'm probably overselling Gold Coast a bit there because, as you say, they they've they're improved a fair bit. Yeah, really, I just want to want to see a response. I want to see the guys in enjoying the game. I want to see the changes, and there will be some changes. Um, won't go too far the other way, but you know there'll be, they'll do something. And I, I want, I want the guys to come in to, to show the reason why they were picked. But at the end of the day, I'll just let's take small steps. Let's win a game because, as you said before, forget defending a premiership, let's focus on making finals. And um, we can't be losing games at home to. Dangerous but not great sides like Gold Coast, so just whatever it takes, win the bloody game.
0: Miguel, your prediction for the game and, and give us a margin, give us a best eagle on ground.
1: Well, I tipped against us last. I tipped against us last week and was right for the first time. So um, obviously, my theory that um, I'd be wrong every time didn't pay out. So I'll may as well tip us this week. Uh, I. We should win. If we don't win, then it's really um, almost pack-up-and-go-home time for 2019. So I'll say we win. Um, If it's a wet game, we won't be particularly um, flashy. So we won't win by much. So I'll say 25 points. Uh, Best of field, let's say um, I've dropped Darling. So let's say Josh Kennedy to... um, strike his sort of common medal-winning form and kick five or six against Gold Coast.
0: Very good. Uh, For myself, I'm hoping that the Eagles obviously win uh, and win well. Gold Coast, after a a close start, which I know I've brought up a number of times now, they've fallen away a little bit in the last few weeks. Adelaide and Brisbane really got a hold of them. So hopefully the Eagles will get on top pretty strongly and they can have a win by, let's say, 45-odd points. A lot of the things that the Suns do poorly are the things that, you know, are the areas we need to improve on, like getting the clearances like the contested ball. So this might be a bit of a get-right week for us. Two things. Firstly, Jack Darling, I'm very sorry that I picked you to win our best and fairest at the start of the year. That was my fault. This is all my fault, and I'm very sorry. Uh, the second thing, best eagle afield is going to be a man that I said wouldn't get All-Australian at the start of the year, Andrew Gaff. Let's have a, a bounce-back week for him. He's finding the footy. Now he just needs a little bit of time or a little bit more composure to use it well, so uh, Eagles to win pretty solidly and Gaffey to be the best Eagle afield for me. KK, predictions for you?
2: Yeah, I think just the way we're travelling, we're going to have a bit of a struggle with this one, but we'll get out of the line. So I'll take us by 20 points and I think Kennedy to to get back into some form and be our our best on ground. I like the Gaff call, though. I think this might be a um, this might be a game that he
0: can get back to his form. Well, fingers crossed for the Eagles. Fingers crossed for all of us this week. Uh, as you both said, I mean, if we drop this one, Jesus Christ, it uh, it'll be on for young and old. But for now, we're still the rating premiers, and we can still arrogantly hope that we push around the Suns a little bit and get everything back on track. Mm-hmm. Question time. Uh, We had a couple of questions this week, one of which we've sort of already addressed from Dazzler10, which was Waterman in, Darling out. Discuss. Not so much of a question, but, uh, you know, the the point is there, and it's a point well made. I think it's something we can all agree on. Whilst I'm not dropping Darling, if I see him dropped or rested or managed or whatever you said, you know, whatever phrase they use like that, Miguel, uh, it wouldn't shock me, and I think we're all probably in agreement with that one. The other one, uh, KK, we'll start with you on this one maybe not just for this week specifically but long term somebody like a Kegan Brooks be coming in for Allen or maybe even for Darling if they both stay out of out of form out of sync like that is that something that you'd be interested in seeing or are there other options you'd like to address you know that that forward imbalance
2: with uh, that's it's a good story I, I'd like to see him given a shot but he he's not really the, the future of the club he's there as a as a backup for a crisis in our ruck division, um, I'd like to see Vardy get back into some form and get back in. And say so New we expect back through from at least two thirds the way through the year. So I don't, yeah, you know, I don't think Brooksby will get a game for us. And uh, if he does, it's either because everyone else has got injured or because he has. Really teared it up in the in the waffle. So I'd like to see it for the story, and if we can, if there's a chance for him to have a game, then I think that'd be be really good. But I think I'd rather stick with the getting um, the guys ahead of him in the queue back up back into form, and I could see uh, Bailey Williams maybe being ahead of him in the queue coming next year.
0: Uh, Miguel, just on on Jan Amara's question there, any any danger of seeing Brooks be in as a forward slash ruck anytime soon?
1: My problem with that is I think he's a bit too similar to Hickey. Um, He's a really good ruckman and good around the ground. I'm not sure he offers enough up forward for us to be able to play both of them. Uh, And that was the issue we saw with Vardy with the two ruck system that neither of them – Vardy used to be sort of a a good – Forward option, but hasn't offered anything in that that role this year, and I'm not sure that Brooksby does either. I did miss; he kicked five goals in a scratch match um, in the waffle that I didn't see, but certainly he's he's probably taking 75 to 80 percent of the ruck at that waffle level, and I think that'd be his role at AFL level. So he's probably I I wouldn't like to see him come in as a forward option um, and a part-time ruck option. I think we've got better. Better options there. Um, Allen at the moment is the one. And, um, yeah, Bailey Williams is possibly another one. But, yeah, I, I agree with Koko. to be a great story. And I really would like to see him get an opportunity at some point. But I don't think him in partnership with Hickey is our best option. And then when Nat Nui comes back later in the year, then um, maybe he could play in partnership with Nick Nat. And you know, he could take more of the ruck and you know, Nat coming off two knees could spend a lot more time forward where he is really dangerous. But yeah, not not in the immediate future, given the way Hickey's playing.
0: Right. Well, that will probably do us for the week. I know it's probably been a little bit of a, a longer one than we've done in the last couple of weeks, but certainly there are a few issues that needed addressing, and once again, you're welcome uh, that we've addressed those. So, KK, thanks for coming on, and thanks for fixing the Eagles with us.
2: Absolutely. Hi, Hi, Simbo. Thanks for listening and do everything we said, and the only way is up.
0: That's right, especially if you implement our advice ASAP. Uh, Miguel, a pleasure as always. Thanks for coming on and helping fix the club.
1: Yeah, no worries. Glad we fixed it. Um, I was thinking then that we should have worked in a a Garrett crisis alert somewhere in there. If you can do that in post-production, that would be great.
0: Absolutely. I will see to it that it is done. Very good call for you. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, if you've got any questions uh, for next week or even if you just want to have a yarn about the episode, chuck them in the thread below. And uh, other than that, we will talk to you similar time next week, hopefully on the back of a resounding West Coast Eagles victory this coming weekend. So thanks very much for listening and we will chat to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks,
1: guys. Go Eagles.